Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment three, we're going to talk about the U.S. Open taking place this weekend at Torrey Pines in San Diego. It's one of the majors. Tiger and Phil paired together during Thursday and Friday play, top two players in the world. Lots of economic impact on San Diego and business around the U.S. Open. We'll discuss that in segment three. In segment four, SportsSense, another big guest. Last week we had Jack Nicholas. This week, Oscar De La Hoya. Champion boxer, CEO of Golden Boy Promotions, and he's got a new book out called American Son. We'll discuss that with Oscar De La Hoya in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog. Download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Joined in studio by Nathan Roach. Nathan, lots to talk about this week from the NBA Finals to Big Brown's colossal collapse at the Belmont Stakes. But another big guest here on Sports Business Radio. I'm excited to catch up with Oscar De La Hoya. Oh, yeah, and, and the impact he's had outside of the boxing ring is huge. I mean, how many boxers out there have been a Grammy-nominated singer and a uh, Golden Glove boxer? Not many. Well, and in boxing, I mean, let's look at it. Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, Buster Douglas, guy after guy who's made lots and lots of money Bankrupt. Evander Holyfield this week, they're auctioning off his house. It's in foreclosure. He's got like a 190-room house in Georgia. Boxers are not guys who usually make good business people. Oscar De La Hoya is the exception, and he may make more money when it's all said and done as a promoter for Golden Boy Promotions than he will as a boxer. And by the way, this is his last year as a boxer. He says he's going to fight twice, and then he's going to ride off into the sunset. Have you watched any of the uh, NBA Finals? I have watched most of the NBA Finals. And uh, I got to say, I'm a little disappointed. It, it's not living up to the hype for me. Well, the NBA Finals has taken a back seat to the Tim Donaghy scandal, which has reared its ugly head again for the NBA this week. We're going to discuss that in headlines coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. 
Visit WarsawCenter.com for more information. Headline number one, the NBA Finals. It's the Lakers and the Celtics. TV ratings have been very, very good for ABC. Game three earlier in the week got a 10.8 overnight Nielsen rating. That's up 38.5% from the comparable 7.8 rating the Spurs-Cavs got for Game 3 last year. Overall, Nathan, big, big ratings in Boston in Los Angeles. The game earned a 28.6 rating in L.A., a 23.3 in Boston. This has been the trend of the series so far. Anytime you can get you know, 10 to 15 million people tuning in to watch your game, which has been the case in this series, that's very, very good for your league. And again, we're coming off the last two years the two lowest-rated NBA Finals of all time. Well, it's something we talk about all the time in this show. You have big markets like Boston and L.A. You're typically going to get big numbers, especially when you have two iconic teams like the Celtics and the Lakers. Yeah, and it doesn't hurt that you have superstars, recognizable names. Kobe, KG, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, you know, Phil Jackson. Household names that people know the casual fan has heard of and they tune in to watch. We will continue to watch the TV trends for this series. Headline number two, and this story has really overshadowed the NBA Finals, which is very bad news for the NBA. Former NBA referee Tim Donaghy this week, he's back in the news, in a court filing indicated that NBA executives directed referees to manipulate games in order to boost ticket sales and television ratings. Donaghy said in a letter which was filed by his attorney that there were several examples, and these are really the most detailed and most provocative to emerge since Donaghy was arrested last July. The specific game that Donaghy talked about was Game 6 of the 2002 Western Conference Finals between the Lakers and the Kings. The Lakers won that in a very controversial ending, some very questionable calls, and the Lakers attempted 40 free throws in that game to the Kings 25 Lakers made 21 of 27 from the line uh, Sacramento was seven of nine uh, from the field or from the free throw line and you know there are several games if you go onto our blog sportsbusinessradio.com we link to a really good story you know look anytime your credibility of your league is questioned that's the worst thing that can happen when we had David Stern on the show a few weeks ago, you know, it looked like this Tim Donaghy thing had been swept under the rug. He was a rogue official. This was going to go away. Now that this story has reared its ugly head again and is being talked about, and in a lot of the polls that are out there, the fans seem to think that Donaghy does have some credibility because he's trying to avoid getting more jail time. That's a bad thing. Well, it's just unfortunate timing, too. I mean, we've waited for so long for this Lakers-Celtics rivalry, and then you've got this loser, Tim Donahue, who comes out at the worst possible time for the NBA. And, you know, as a fan myself, I don't believe a word this guy's saying. He's doing everything he possibly can to avoid more jail time. He obviously found a game like the uh, Lakers-Kings game from years ago and figured this might be an opportunity to lie. I think this guy's full of it. Well, I think there were some questionable calls made in that game. There's also questionable calls made in a game that Donaghy officiated last year, Spurs-Suns, that playoff series. I believe it was game five. But here's the point. You know, again, we're both in public relations, Nathan. Whether it's true or not, this is what the media is talking about. This is what people on the street and around the water cooler are talking about. That's bad for the NBA. Whether it happened or not is open for debate. 
But this is what people are talking about, and that's bad for your league's brand. That's why NBA Commissioner David Stern has to try and turn the page on this as much as he can. Here's what Commissioner Stern had to say on the Chris Meyer show this week. I can tell you that we have uh, not only conducted our own investigation through an outside uh, prosecutor, but we have complied fully with the lead investigation with respect to the uh, FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office. And uh, they're the ones that we see. We didn't get these allegations from Mr. Donahue. They did. They didn't share everything with us, but we had ideas of what was going on. Uh, you know, we, based upon their requests and who we were producing for them, uh, but they've now investigated these allegations and others for a year. And plus, on top of that, we conducted our own investigation of our officials. Look, David Stern's been the commissioner of the NBA for 24 years. He takes great pride in his league. If there was any fixing going on that he knew about, I think whoever those officials would be would be out of the league. For the people that suggest that NBA commissioner David Stern would in any way try and influence the outcome of games, I think that's just totally far-fetched. Well, you know, he is right about one thing. I think NBA officials and actually basketball officials in general are the most scrutinized in all of sports, Major League Baseball, uh, NFL doesn't hold a candle to basketball referees. And, you know, people call Stern a spin doctor. Well, sure, he's promoting his league. This is his business. He's going to portray it in a good light. Every commissioner of every sports league does the same thing. I think people need to give Stern a little bit more of a break, and let's wait till all the facts come out. Our next headline, more NBA news, the coaching carousel. Terry Porter has been hired in Phoenix as the Suns' new coach. He replaces Mike D'Antoni. Uh, Michael Curry is in in Detroit. He replaces Flip Saunders. And Vinny Del Negro looks like the next coach of the Chicago Bulls. Our next headline, the Belmont Stakes Big Brown, a big bust. ABC earned a 10.5 overnight Nielsen rating for Saturday's coverage of the Belmont Stakes. That's up 169% from the 2007 race when there wasn't a triple crown at stake. Nathan, a lot at stake here for Big Brown trying to become the first horse in 30 years to win the Triple Crown. Uh, UPS signed a big deal with Big Brown. Hooters signed a big deal with Big Brown. And $50 million in stud fees for Big Brown. Now, some of those stud fees may be decreased. And not only did Big Brown lose, but he finished in last place. Yeah, oh, it was terrible. I mean, the complaint I had was not the race itself. I thought it was a good race overall. My complaint is the five hours of coverage leading up to the Belmont Stakes for a three-minute Please tell me you weren't watching. I watched from 11 a.m. to 3.30, and I took two naps in between, but it was ridiculous. You thought it was, you know, the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, that's way too much pre-race coverage, and I didn't watch any of it. I'll just be honest with you. I watched the highlights afterwards. You only need the highlights. You get the three minutes on SportsCenter. You know, and the thing that was interesting to me, jockey Kent DeSormo, a lot of people praised him. Because it looked like there was something just not right with Big Brown. And instead of taking the whip to him and having him maybe break dra- break down like eight bells did, you know, he laid off the horse. You know, the other thing from a business standpoint, and this is a business show, if Big Brown breaks down, that's a lot of money out the window. So when you see you're not going to win the race, for the jockey to have the brains to kind of pull back on the horse and say, okay, we're just going to jog through to the end, and even if we finish it last, we're still going to have all those studs fees for the owners to look forward to. I think that's part of the the thinking there. Well, the unfortunate part is they haven't been able to find anything wrong with Bing Brown since he did that. Initially, I thought maybe it was was his foot, but it, it didn't end up being his foot, and so there wasn't anything wrong with him. 
Our next headline, Ken Griffey Jr. hits home run number 600. The fan who caught the ball, kept it, plans on selling it. We'll follow the details of that. The fan was a Marlins season ticket holder, but Ken Griffey Jr., a member of the 600 Club. Our next headline, former NASCAR technical inspector Maurice Grant yesterday filed a $225 million racial and sexual discrimination lawsuit against NASCAR. This is not good if you're NASCAR. 23 officials named as part of this suit. Grant was hired in 2005 as the first African-American female official in NASCAR. She claims she was unlawfully terminated. Now, sometimes, you know, you got to wait till all the facts come out on something like this. But again, just as we discussed with the NBA, what people are talking about around the water cooler, what the big headline in the newspaper on the Internet says, and it says $225 million sexual harassment suit against NASCAR, that's not good. Well, let's hope that NASCAR handles it a little bit better than the New York Knicks did, regardless of what happened. Yeah, that was not handled well. That was the textbook on how not to handle a case. They ended up paying more money than they were being sued for. So if NASCAR has to pay more than 225, yikes. Look for possibly a settlement here if NASCAR feels like they're going down that road. Our next headline, Cedric Benson, Bears running back, waived after his second run-in with the law this summer. The Bears have had a lot of running back busts. Curtis Enos, Rashawn Salam, now Benson. Um, You know, it's a good thing that in the NFL, contracts are not guaranteed. Only the signing bonuses are guaranteed because when a guy like Benson acts out of character, off the field, gets in trouble continuously, you can just wave him goodbye. Well, you got to hand it to the Bears, though, for taking the initiative to not put up with this stuff and release these guys. Well, they did with Tank Tank Johnson, Johnson, which has been fantastic. And as a Bears fan, I support the organization, even though I'm losing great players. But the one thing you got to say is just like in Cincinnati with the Bengals, whoever's drafting these guys might need to take a second look and say, why am I drafting these players with character issues that we're ending up having to waive? Our last headline of the week, Pac-10 Commissioner Tom Hansen, not a big fan of his, quite frankly, stepping down in 2009 after 26 years on the job, longest tenured commissioner in the NCAA. Why am I not a big fan of his? I just think there have been so many times where Pac-10 schools, especially when it comes to BCS bids and berths, he just doesn't seem to stand up for his schools in the NCAA tournament or when it comes to the BCS. I think they need some new blood for the Pac-10. Pac-10, because they're on the West Coast, here we are on the West Coast, it might sound biased, but I just think they're often overlooked. They need a a bigger champion for them, someone who's beating their drum a little bit louder. All right, coming up in our next segment, we are going to discuss the U.S. Open. Golf's second major of the year taking place this weekend at Torrey Pines in San Diego. We're going to discuss the business of the U.S. Open. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ryan Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at SportsBusinessRadio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday <laughs> or online at SportsBusinessRadio.com. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back, and we're going to talk about the U.S. Open golf second major of the year. Nathan, I know both of us are uh, golf fans. I don't watch many sporting events, but I do enjoy sitting down and watching golf's majors. I have to be honest, I don't sit and watch the PGA Tour events very often, but the majors I, I tend to tune into. And, uh, you know, with this weekend being Father's Day and all, uh, I may sit down and uh, watch final round coverage. But the first two rounds, you know, it's interesting. With the Masters, we saw ESPN had Thursday, Friday, then CBS had Saturday, Sunday. With the U.S. Open, ESPN has Thursday, Friday. NBC has Saturday, Sunday. And ESPN also has tons of coverage on ESPN360.com. You know, they devoted a lot of coverage on ESPN.com. So when you have the power of ESPN behind you, uh, it certainly helps a lot. The other thing that NBC is doing, some new wrinkles, uh, they're including analysts Peter Jacobson and Curtis Strange. They're teaming with host Bob Costas, who I know you like a lot. And, uh, you know, NBC has different coverage, obviously, than CBS or ABC, who will do the British Open, uh, I think. And, uh, you know, I'm interested to see how NBC covers this this weekend. Well, I know I'm a little biased. I worked for NBC for four summers. But uh, I really think NBC, as far as their golf coverage, is the best. Best golf coverage around. And, yes, I'm biased because I like Bob Costas a lot. But even the Masters, I just think NBC does a better job. And I enjoy watching NBC much more than I do CBS and ABC, for that matter. Now, something that was interesting, this was uh, Michael Heastan, who's been on our show before. He's a columnist for uh, USA Today. He wrote that uh, I guess there's a hang gliding port near the 12th green at Torrey Pines where the U.S. Open's taking place. And uh, NBC producer Tommy Roy says he looked into recruiting gliders to carry cameras. And that's before tournament officials decided to shut down the form of air traffic during the Open. But, you know, it, it would have been interesting to kind of have the hang glider cam going around and, and getting coverage. But, Nathan, the biggest thing that we haven't discussed is the USGA, in my opinion, made a brilliant decision this week. And the brilliant decision was to pair Tiger Woods, the number one golfer in the world, with Phil Mickelson, the number two golfer in the world. And the reason it's brilliant is not only are you going to have enormous galleries following the two most popular players in golf, but from a TV perspective, anytime you can have these two guys playing together, that's who people want to watch. I mean, if you look at the ratings, anytime Tiger's in a tournament, the ratings are going huge through the roof. When Phil's in a tournament, you know, he has almost as big of an impact as Tiger does. When you put the two of them together, you've got a recipe for monster ratings, and I assume that's what we're going to see based on the first two rounds of the Open. I'm actually going to disagree with you, Brian, and and here's why. I think that, yes, Tiger and Phil, everybody wants to see that, but when you talk about the typical household name, there's only a couple golfers out there. There's Tiger Woods, there's Phil Mickelson, maybe Adam Scott and Vijay Singh. And so if I'm the casual golf fan 
tuning in to watch a golf tournament. If Tiger, Wood, Tiger Woods is not on the screen or Phil Mickelson is not on the screen, there's a pretty good chance I might turn away, change the channel till it goes back to them. And this way, when you, when you split them up, when you have Tiger and you have Phil and you have Adam Scott all on different holes, to me, you're more likely as a casual fan to sit and watch it all the way through because there's more than just one group of people whose names you know. Yeah, but how many years have we been waiting? I mean, I know I've been saying for a long time on this show, the one matchup I want to see is I want to see Phil and Tiger going head-to-head in a major in the last round. I want to see, you know, the two final, the pairing, the last pairing of the day, the whole championship on the line. I want to see Tiger and Phil going at it. And to be able to see them in a major, at least in the first two rounds, going head-to-head, and it's partly a mind game, too. I mean, these two guys are, are very uh, psychological guys. Both of them uh, grew up in the Southern California area. Both have had great success at Torrey Pines. Um, you know, both have lots of friends and family there at this tournament watching them. I just think it adds an element that we haven't seen in majors previously because I can't remember a time where the two have been paired together in a major. Well, and I'm not to, from from a fan standpoint, I like watching golf no matter who's playing. But what I'm saying is from someone flipping through the channels, if they come to Tiger Woods, yes, they're going to stop. If they come to anyone else they're not, probably not going to stop. And they're more likely, if they're flipping through the channels and they're split up, going to land on Adam Scott, Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods. There's a better chance that they'll get roped in. That's, it's an outside shot, but what I'm saying is, yes, I'm looking forward to it. I'd love to see them go head-to-head in the final round. But as far as starting it off, I think you're better off splitting them up. Plus, they've talked about the big concern they've had with the large galleries at the actual event following Tiger and Phil around. I mean, that's a big problem. What about you know, all the other golfers? Well, I'm sure other people will be out there. 50,000 people a day are expected to come out and watch this tournament. That's a lot of people. I mean, yeah, that's a football stadium or half a football stadium for some of the, the bigger venues. And they're spread out throughout the course. Torrey Pines, I think, I've been to Torrey Pines before. I think it's a great venue for watching a golf tournament. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I'm excited to see those two play together for the first two rounds. And then... Um, you know, 50,000 people coming through. We talk about the economic impact of Super Bowls and of big events on an economy. 50,000 people a day, A, it's good for the tournament, but imagine all those people that are coming into San Diego this weekend and staying at the hotels, eating at the restaurants, coming through the airports. Lots and lots of economic dollars being generated as part of the U.S. Open in San Diego this weekend. Well, and having Tiger back is just so big. We talk all the time on this show about how having those big names, Tiger Woods, you know, in these tournaments makes or breaks the TV ratings and likely the attendance at the event. So it's really big, obviously, his first tournament back since the Masters. And I'm interested to see the ratings as well. I mean, I think they're going to be outstanding. Now, the other element that's really big for the majors is uh, the golf companies. You know, your Nikes, your Adidas, uh, you know, the golf club companies. Obviously, Nike makes clubs. Uh, TaylorMade, which is owned by uh, Adidas. You know, there's a lot of other companies out there, but they roll out new golf balls, new equipment. You'll see lots of commercials. Well, I think this Tiger's weekend. wearing special Nike shoes. Is, am I correct about that? I think for each 
major tournament throughout this year. He's got a different pair of limited edition Nike golf shoes. Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize with Tiger, his outfit, his wardrobe is scripted months in advance. It's not like he wakes up that morning and they lay out his wardrobe on his bed and, you know, it's like gray animals where they're going to say, okay, Tiger, here's what you're going to wear today, like when you went to school as a kid. Not that I wore gray Like my wife does for me every morning, right? Okay. Well, that's good for you that she does that. But, you know, this is decided months in advance, and as a matter of fact, with Nike, they make sure that everything you see Tiger wearing is already at retail. So if you watch it on TV and you want to go to the store and pick up that shirt that you liked or those shoes that you liked or you want to play the ball that he's playing or you want to buy the club that he's using, you can go out and buy that. It didn't used to be that way. It used to be, you know— Guys would just go out and play, and there wasn't the thought that went into it that said, okay, I need to make sure that everything that they see on TV is available at retail. That's what's really different. A few years ago, gosh, what year was it? I think it was 2003. uh, I got to go to the U.S. Open, and I was doing a project for Nike Golf, and I got to sit in their trailer. And I was there during the practice rounds when the players would come in, and in these trailers— They have someone in there who literally makes golf clubs on the spot for you. So if you come in and you say, you know, I need a different degree loft or I need a different wedge or my club broke or, you know, anything that you need done to your clubs, they will do it right then and there. If you need a wardrobe change, if you want a new hat, if you need a new glove, whatever it is, and all the golf companies have these literally semi-truck trailers that are lined up there off the practice tee and... All the players go in there on a regular basis during the practice rounds and sometimes even during the tournament and get whatever they want. It's kind of like you know having your own golf shop right there off the golf course, and they will cater whatever you need, whether it's clothing or clubs, for your uh, design right there. That's a great gig. I-, I want that gig to be able to walk into a retail store and just pick stuff off the uh, off the shelf. And I mean, we're here in the Nike employee store here in Portland, Oregon, where we're at. I've been out there a number of times and seen athletes out there like golfers, basketball players, who literally get to walk into the store, pick whatever they want out, golf clubs, T-shirts, and walk out of the store. i, I got to get that gig. Well, I will tell you this. The people who drive these semis around you know they're doing it year round to all the different events not just to the majors so you're putting a lot of miles out there you're living on the road the whole year the guy that i got to know from nike golf i mean this guy never sees his family and he's driving all over the country year round i don't know that it would be that fun of a job to be frank i'm not talking about i don't want that job i just want to be the athlete that gets to go in there and tell him exactly what degree i want my club or exactly how you know what kind of shirt i want to wear i mean that, golf, if I had one sport I'd like to be a pro at, I think it'd have to be golf. Yeah. I mean, it's very, very hard to make a good living playing golf, and there's very few people who do, as Jack Nicholas told us last week. But, uh, yeah, I would have to agree with you. I think that's what I'd like to do as well. Coming up next, Oscar De La Hoya. He's got a new book out called American Son. This guy is a multiple champion. He's the CEO of Golden Boy Promotions. Uh, He's in his last year as a boxer. He says he has two fights left. We're going to talk to Oscar De La Hoya coming up next about American Son. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. 
In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection, not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu, and they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Oscar De La Hoya. He's one of the greatest boxers of all time. He's the founder of Golden Boy Promotions. Uh, Oscar, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. Oh, thank you for having me. So let's talk about your book. You have a really great new book out called American Son. The book is on sale now. Uh, quite a story you have to offer, and I was really uh, pleased to see how candid you were in this book. You talk about your mother's painful death from cancer, the pitfalls of stardom, and how important it is to you to be an American. What inspired you to write this book, and why did you write it now as opposed to uh, when you retire? Well, I, I just thought that it was very important to, to send out that message now. I mean, um, you know, we're, we're in a time, uh, in a period of time where, uh, where a lot of people are down. You know, a lot of people have been knocked down by that devastating left hook, you know, and uh, I've been down in my life many times outside the ring, and I've been able to, to get back up and, and, and fight even harder. And uh, I just hope this book be some kind of inspiration, um, um, uh, hope, for people who uh, who are searching for that American dream. Yeah, you have quite the American dream. You talk about your start to your career of boxing. It sounds like your mother was totally opposed to it. Maybe tell us about how you got started as a boxer, how you convinced her that uh, you were going to be okay in the ring. Well, uh, I come from a boxing family. My father was a fighter. My grandfather was a fighter. Um, you know, so I kind of had no choice but, but to be a fighter. But my mother, I mean, what mother wants to see their, their, their child get hit? Um, you know, it's funny because in the beginning uh, of my career, uh, she was so opposed to it. But then after, after a few fights as a kid, she started to be my number one fan. She started to be my biggest supporter. And I can remember times when I was eight, nine years old, boxing in the ring, and I would hear this woman just yelling uh, top of her head, uh, you know, knock him out, uh, uh, go ahead and beat him. And, uh, and I look over, and it's my mother. So uh, she she grew uh, she grew and 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 was able to uh, to uh, to to learn how to love the sport. <laughs> Oscar, I know that uh, you've mentioned that one of the proudest moments of your career was uh, fighting Julio Cesar Chavez. He was your idol. What was it like to step into the ring against your idol? And was it hard to even throw punches at him and uh, hurt him? Right, it was very, very difficult because here you have, um, um, you know, the great Mexican uh, uh, champion, Julio Cesar Chavez. Uh, I fought him when he was going for his hundredth uh, win, was ninety-nine and one. And uh, you know, I have to admit, I was kind of starstruck when I saw him across the ring. Uh, when I entered the ring, I, I, I took a look at him, and I was like, "Wow!" Oh, I mean, I cannot believe. I mean, I almost had to pinch to have, to have somebody pinch me because I was just like, just couldn't believe it. Yeah, I mean that's got to be it was a huge honor. 
It's got to be an amazing moment. But once the fight started, I assume, you know, after he hits you a few times, uh, maybe the, the you know, uh, being in awe of him wore off. Well, once the bell rings, it's all business. And, uh, you know, I was very fortunate enough to, uh, to uh, I hate to say it, uh, uh, knock my idol out uh, in the ring. Um, it hurt me a lot afterwards, but, um, you know, I have to, I have to do, uh, you know, what I have to do, I guess, and take care of business. You know, I want to talk about business for a minute with you. This is a sports business show. Uh, you're a very savvy business person. You have formed Golden Boy Promotions. You're the first Hispanic to own a national boxing promotional firm, one of only a handful of boxers in history who have taken on promotional responsibilities while you're still an active fighter. Talk about why you started uh, this Golden Boy Promotions, because you know what, Oscar, a lot of uh, promoters of the past, there's this negative stigma that's attached to them, but it seems like you're really in favor of defending boxers more than the past promoters. Well, that's the exact same reason why I started Golden Boy Promotions, because uh, too many fighters have been taken advantage of. And um, my my mission is to, to protect the fighter, to, to be honest with the fighter, um, to be transparent with, with, with the fighter. I mean, uh, that's what we believe in. And, um, you know, if you take a look at all our fighters we have, um, every single one um, has made great money, is happy with us. Um, you know, we have such a great relationship. But the thing is that um, we have to try and, and organize the sport. And we, we, we have many tasks ahead of us. Um, you know, we're a young company with six years. We've been able to accomplish a lot in such a short period of time. I mean, we're now the biggest promoter in the world today. Um, but we have to make sure that the fighter, uh, um, um, uh, you know, is treated right. Um, you know, I want to get uh, 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 some sort of medical plan for fighters, which we don't have. Uh, I want to try and organize the sport, uh, uh, um, you know, to have one commission um, overlooking the entire sport instead of having every state with their own rules. Um, there's just different ideas we have that hopefully one day uh, they can uh, they can uh, uh, we can implement them and uh, and we can have uh, a sport that is uh, 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 going to be uh, a main street sport. Oscar, this is Nathan. Uh, with UFC and MMA gaining more and more attention, can you talk about how you feel about the state of boxing right now? Well, with 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 the uh, with the UFC gaining uh, all the attention, um, you know. Uh, we take a look at the the, uh, the UFC blueprint. Um, you know, the UFC is 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 is, is like a league, and um, and it's receiving a lot of attention. And you know, I can only imagine if if boxing was was organized, if, if boxing was like a league, uh, you know, what attention it would receive because boxing has been around forever. Boxing has so much history, uh, which which the MMA doesn't have. I mean, I, I just cannot imagine. Uh, the 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 UFC or the MMA producing uh, iconic figures like uh, the Joe Lewis's of uh, that we had the Muhammad Ali's the uh, Sugar Ray Robinsons uh, uh, the Jack Johnsons uh, the, that we have in this in, in this boxing world so I mean I I, I commend them for for uh, growing a company growing a business in such a short period of time but uh, you know I have to admit I'm really not a, a big fan of of, of uh, that type of fighting. We're joined by world champion boxer and 
Golden Boy Promotions promoter Oscar De La Hoya. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Uh, Oscar, I got to ask you, Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, Buster Douglas, these are all guys who have made millions of dollars in the ring, and they've squandered their millions of dollars. As far as I can tell, you've kept your money, you're thriving, you're making more money. What's the difference between you and them and how you've been able to keep your money while they squandered all their money? I feel that they've surrounded themselves with the wrong people. Um, you know, in boxing and, and, and in the athletic world, um, you know, unfortunately you have a lot of, uh, I call them leeches. Um, you, you have people who are just hanger-oners who, uh, who don't do nothing, who don't produce, and uh, a lot of yes people. And, uh, you know, I was able to learn at an early age, uh, you know, what's right from wrong. I was cheated uh, the first couple of years of my professional career. I mean, I, I've made a lot of money in, in the first couple of years of my professional career, and at the end of the day, I had zero. And so in, with those times, I learned so much, and I woke up and I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to surround myself with people who are smarter than me, with people who are not involved with boxing, with people who, who know how to handle money. And uh, I was very fortunate to, uh, to just find the right people, and uh, we've, uh, we've, uh, we have a great partnership together. Oscar, it's Nathan again. Uh, you recently acquired a stake of uh, Major League Soccer, Houston Dynamo. Can you talk about why you chose the MLS and uh, how that opportunity came about? Well, the, the MLS now is, is gaining so much momentum. And if you take a look at uh, the owners involved, uh, like the Paul Allen uh, in Seattle, you take a look at Nabisco uh, family um, uh, with New England. You take a look at um, uh, Phil Anschultz with the LA Galaxy. You know, and then you have uh, then you have this uh, his, uh, poor little Hispanic American uh, owning the the Houston Dynamo. I think we have uh, <laughs> uh, uh, pretty good owners uh, uh, in in the league, and I, I just feel that soccer in America um, is is growing. It's gaining momentum, especially with the Beckham effect. Uh, but I, I I strongly strongly feel that it can be. Uh, 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 just like uh, Major League Baseball, it can be just like uh, uh, football. Uh, American football is, uh, is 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 supported here in in, in the states. So uh, you know, I think uh, that was one of my my um, my uh, one of the best decisions that I I have made uh, in um, outside the ring is to uh, is to get involved with uh, with soccer. Oscar, just a few minutes left. You were scheduled to flight, uh, fight Floyd Mayweather Jr. in September. He has come out in the last week and said that he's retired. Is this a ploy for more money, or do you think he's really retired? I, I hope it's not a ploy because um, I, I have a, a time frame. Um, um, you know, and uh, this year I'm, I'm hanging up the gloves. I'm, I've been preparing for this moment for three years now. Um, I'm not fighting next year. I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's my final fight. And, uh, you know, if he waits too long, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be too late. And so, uh, you know, I mean, obviously I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I, again, I wish him all the best of luck. Uh, if he is retired, uh, you know, I hope he does stay retired and he, uh, and he's smart about his, uh, his, his financial state. But, um, you know, I, I just think that we're going to move, uh, move ahead and, uh, look for another opponent, and, uh, and then do my final fight. Yeah, I mean, who might that opponent be if it's not Mayweather? Any, uh, any word on that yet? Well, um, 
there's a lot of fighters who are now calling me out. Uh, you have the Manny Pacquiao's, you have the Ricky Hens, you have the uh, Miguel Cotto's uh, of this world. I think knowing me, I'm, I'm probably going to choose the uh, the toughest one. So uh, you know, we'll have to we'll have to uh, sit down and talk with my uh, with my advisors and uh, with my team and uh, and make a decision very soon. Oscar, last question. Uh, we've talked about your investment in MLS. We know you have Golden Boy Promotions. Once you ride off into the sunset, where else are we going to see you? Well, uh, we're uh, we're very uh, fortunate uh, enough, like you said, to to uh, to be involved uh, with the uh, the MLS. Uh, I'll be uh, able to uh, to attend uh, many games uh, 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 in Houston. Uh, uh, for, you know, for the Houston Dynamo that we purchased. Uh, you know, we're we're just uh, we're behind the scenes type of uh, type of businessmen. I mean, I you know we do a lot of uh, a lot of uh, acquisitions that really don't put us in front of the limelight. Uh, the, the the behind the scenes type of acquisitions that I actually really enjoy because uh, uh, they don't really take much uh, time uh, to do and, uh, and and you make a lot of money. So uh, you know, it's it's uh, I'm I'm gonna keep busy with my promotions and. Uh, and keep on uh, keep on uh, working with my team uh, in, in executing these types of deals. Oscar, congratulations on your new book, American Sun. Tell our listeners where they can pick up a copy. Well, you can pick up a copy uh, in, in any bookstore, I believe. Uh, you can go to your Barnes & Nobles. You can go uh, 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 to uh, your local bookshop and uh, you know look for American Sun, which I hopefully can inspire someone to, uh, to, to search and look for that American dream. Oscar, best of luck to you in the future. Congratulations on a tremendous career, and uh, good luck whoever you fight this year. Thank you very much. Guests appearing during our Sports Sun segment, we treated to the gold standard of all steakhouses, Morton's the Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere for the Morton's nearest you. Go online to mortons.com. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training monitoring and feedback, we'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We are back on Monday. The Sonics in the city of Seattle are going to court. And this is what a lot of people have been waiting to see. And this is really going to determine whether or not the Sonics have to stay in Seattle for the next two years. Or are they going to be able to get out of their key arena lease and move to Oklahoma City? The relocation has already been approved by NBA owners. Now, U.S. District Court Clerk Bruce Rifkin said this week that a drawing is going to be held each morning of the six-day trial. Again, it begins on Monday. There's limited seating, 
and it's like a lottery, Nathan. So if you show up at 7 a.m. Pacific time and you want to get into the session starting at 8 a.m., you're going to be allowed to do that if you're one of the lucky few given one of these 40 tickets. And it also looks at 21 media members are going to be allowed into the room as well. So not many people allowed into this room, but it, it's kind of cool that uh, public, the public is going to be allowed into this session. Well, it'd be really interesting to sit and just listen to it. There's no cameras allowed, electronic devices, or anything like that. So it's not like anybody's going to be taping this thing. But, you know, this is a key moment for the Sonics. And I still think, as much as I'd like to see them stay in Seattle, they're gone. No matter what happens here, they're going to leave after two years, no problem. Yeah, I think they're going to have to play the next two years in Key Arena. But I think after that, they're going to be able to leave. Now, uh, Bennett, Clay Bennett, the owner of the Sonics, has said they'll lose up to $60 million a year if they're forced to stay in Seattle. He said they'd make $20 million a year if they're able to go to Oklahoma City. That's his side of the story. We'll see what the judge says coming up in this trial. Jim McKay, the sportscaster who anchored ABC's Wide World of Sports for nearly 40 years. He covered 12 Olympics. He won 13 Emmy Awards. I got to be honest with you, he's one of my inspirations for getting into sports casting. A lot of people remember him for his coverage of the 1972 uh, Munich Olympics. Uh, he passed away this last week. Big, big loss for the world of broadcasting. Well, he really paved the way for everyone you mentioned. Bob Costas of the world, he was the guy. Lots of thank yous on our show this week. Oscar De La Hoya, get his new book, American Son, in bookstores now. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Pack, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, ProTrade.com, and Evergreen Media Training, a podcast reminder. You can catch our show on demand anytime you want. Just go to Sports Business Radio and click on the podcast page. I'm Brian Berger. Enjoy your sports weekend, U.S. Open, NBA Finals, lots going on. And happy Father's Day. And thanks to my little girl, Sophia, for making me the proudest father in the world. Happy Father's Day. We'll see you next week. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. <laughs> or at sportsbusinessradio.com. <laughs>